we're, we're all just doing the best that we can. And our expectations just have to be the kids need touch points with people's faces. They need to talk with their friends. They need to see the adults in their lives who care about them in addition to their families. And that is our top priority. If the academics um, come after that, that's, that's okay, because that's the way it should be anyway. Um, and that's been our, our emphasis this whole time. That's Michelle Baldwin. She is a good and longtime friend of mine from Anastasis Academy, uh, a private independent school just outside of Denver, Colorado. And as you heard in that clip, uh, they have taken a clear stance on what they find valuable. And I'm so um, pleased when I hear people talk about the value of community and connecting kids to to their friends and to uh, the other adults. And um, this conversation, again, uh, shows you that there are the priorities that people can make when they have lots of choice, as you do in an independent school, really dictate uh, the kind of learning opportunities that you can provide for students. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michelle. Welcome, everybody. Another uh, chance for me to talk to, in this case, uh, a longtime friend, um, uh, Michelle Baldwin, who's uh, teaches a variety of things uh, with uh, with the younger students in um, independent school in Denver. So Michelle, why don't you introduce yourself more formally and give us the details of where you are and what you're doing. Okay, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you asking. Um, I'm Michelle Baldwin and I am in, I live actually closer to Colorado Springs, um, between Colorado Springs and Monument, Colorado. And I teach at Anastasis Academy. Uh, we are a private school in Centennial, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. Uh, right now we have about 50-ish kids, and I never know the, the actual numbers. It goes up and down sometimes. Um, and I teach ages 7 through 10. Um, I, it's a general ed classroom there. Our school is an inquiry-based model, so we don't actually have grade levels um, or isolated content areas. Um, so it's, it's, usually it takes me about two hours to explain what our school does. So I'll just give you the short bit there. But um, one of the things that I love the most about our school is that it helps kids to stay curious and wonder. And they're not, um, they don't think of school as something to suffer through or that, you know, things that they have to do. It's more things that they get to do. Um, so it's been, this, we're finishing up our ninth year. <laughs> start to lose track the school started in august of happened so i'm um, doing math there uh yeah so it's just been a joy to be at that school and to work with the amazing staff at our school and the families that we just really love it's it feels more like a family if you talk with our students they'll definitely say this feels like a family well and you know as you're speaking and of course as i've been doing these conversations i'm talking with people from public schools and of course, one of the threads that that's gone throughout is is how much you know those educators are are they maybe haven't used the words inquiry, but they're they're leaning into the hopes and the possibilities of what school could be, which is what Kelly essentially uh, helped establish, and and that's what your school is built on. So uh, the notion of progressive education, of course, is is in your bones and in in, in the DNA of the school. Um, so 
but uh, you know, with this uh, with this crisis, my question, I guess, is like, what have you as a staff decided uh, school is now, and what does it look like, and sort of what are your responsibilities? And and again, with a close family, you you probably had to kind of co-create what what the things you know what school looks like now. Yeah, you're right. It's it's been difficult. I think um, for for everybody. We, we have the privilege of the majority of our families are internet connected. Um, every student in our school has a device as part of our school supplies. So um, the connectivity part was actually something that wasn't super difficult to solve. Um, if, we, if we had families who um, didn't have internet or uh, had poor connections or something, Kelly worked with them. Um, you know Kelly, but Kelly Tinkley is such a planner, and she had plans for what we were going to do probably two to three weeks before we finally said, hey, we have to start doing remote learning. So, of course, she has a plan for that. Um, but she she talked with families and said, you know, if, if you need help, I've, she's been working with internet service providers to make sure that they had hotspots for families who needed it, um, so that way they could continue on. Um, we... Our last um, in uh, school day face-to-face -face contact was March 13th. So um, we were a week away from our spring break. So she said, we'll extend spring break for two weeks. That'll give families some time to kind of um, figure out a game plan of how we'll make this work. And then we're just going to play it by ear. And um, once we start, uh, we made sure that all the kids had the apps on their iPads that they needed. Uh, to do some remote learning. I, I definitely don't want to call it distance learning or online learning because it's not the same. Um, so our remote plans were um, send some items home with the kids. Uh, we got some canvas bags and put in journals and papers and you know pencils and crayons and markers and just supplies that kids might need and um, books and uh, materials to create with and um, that was really helpful. I think even now I, I set a whiteboard home with, with each of my students. So we've been playing games um, on our video conferencing and uh, they, they love that the, they can do their, um, their work on the whiteboards or they can answer questions for games. And it, that part of it was fun. Um, to your question about how inquiry is lending itself to this. The harder part for especially the younger kids is that they're not quite as independent as um, as they are even in the classroom. They're in a completely different situation where they're at home and everything that we put into place within the classroom is, is not gonna be there just because they're not in the classroom. So extending a lot of grace and talking with kids and reminding them that they can, they can contact me. Um, we've got a certain number of uh, video conference calls that we do each day and we talk through it. So remember, if you need help, you don't need to go to mom or to dad or whoever's in your house. You can come back to your teacher. That's my job. And I'll help you walk you through this. So the fact that we don't have standardized testing or grades for that matter, we don't assign grades at our school. Um, it's been helpful that they've been able to just continue exploring the inquiry units that we happen to be in. So right now my class is in um, how the world, uh, I was gonna say how the world works. That's the wrong one. Sorry. Um, how, uh, we can protect our earth, um, it's sharing the planet, uh, we're learning about plant cycles and animals life cycles, and they're planting seeds, and they've learned that, oh, if you have, you know, green onions at your house, you can regrow them. 
So a lot of it still is just, here's things that we would be doing in the classroom and we're just accommodating as much as we can to help parents out so they don't feel like they have to be homeschool teachers at the same time as remote learning. So I rambled on a whole lot there, sorry about that. But um, I, I think we're, we're all just doing the best that we can and our expectations just have to be, the kids need touch points with people's faces. They need to talk with their friends. They need to see the adults in their lives who care about them in addition to their families. And that is our top priority. If the academics um, come after that, that's, that's okay because that's the way it should be anyway. Um, and that's been our, our emphasis this whole time. So you're, you know, you're in the enviable position in some respects in that you, you, you built a school around a very clear progressive education around inquiry. You have parents who opt in. So these are all the advantages that you have, but my guess is that you're still maybe through this. My question would be is, is what inequities are you discovering or seeing, even though, you know, because a lot of times inequity, equity issues revolve around devices. Well, that's not an issue, but there's so many more other issues that you're seeing in terms of, uh, gee, I did, this is a little unexpected or I'm, I'm getting an inside look as to some of the, the, the challenges that, that, kids face of, of, of uh, you know, from all contexts. So what are the, what have you seen sort of that has kind of caught your attention in that area? Uh, for sure, the families that have um, the, if they have more kids, for families who have one or two, it's been much more manageable if they have three, four or five or six kids yeah. in their home or more. Um, it's been really hard for those families. It, and parents are working from home also. So it's not just, you know, um, it, it doesn't look like a leave it to beaver situation where you've got a mom who's available to help all the time. And, and again, that's one of the things that I've tried to, to really emphasize with parents is please don't feel like you have to do this schooling. Um, that's, that is my job. But reality is that kids are going to go to their parents and ask questions. And now the parents are in a situation where they're trying to help their kids and do their jobs and still run a household and make, and now they've got, you know, more meals a day to feed, feed kids. Um, and what happens when, you know, it's, it's Colorado, we have really nice weather days and the kids can go outside and ride their bikes or play in their yard. And some days it's raining or sometimes snowing and they're stuck back inside. So every, everybody has cabin fever. So that part of it I know has been really difficult. Um, we've got some kids who are just in very different stages of their learning. Um, for those kids who are really solid readers, it's been pretty easy for them to be independent because they can read instructions, they comprehend, um, they know what they'd like to do. And for the kids who struggle with reading, um, I'm doing a lot of voice recording and we do video, but it's still not the same as having someone there to help you read through, ask questions, um, in real time, um, those those are the kids I'd be supporting in small group sessions with me um, if we were in the classroom physically. And now it's that still there's that disconnect, and they it's frustrating for them. They don't always want to ask for help because they feel like they should know how to do this already. And and again, I'm just like, no, guys, that's all right. You come back to me. It's that's. That's why we've set this up so that you can continue asking me for help. But asking for help isn't sometimes a thing that people want to, be, to do. They want to be self-sufficient. So that, that alone, um, 
our our teacher of our little littles she teaches five and six year olds she's amazing first of all in and out of the classroom but i'm telling you what right now she i don't know how she's doing it because I've, I've been in the class with her every once in a while online to teach music and those little kids they're so sweet and they're so cute and they really struggle to keep attention for even five minutes in person let alone on video so i just i don't know we don't have um in our demographics are pretty much in an area of privilege we don't have a lot of kids who are going without food um i have friends in this area and up in denver whose kids are um, struggling with meals so there's a lot of uh, school districts that are starting to open up their high school parking lots and have basically a drive-through where they can put um, bags of food in people's cars so that the kids are getting meals all um, three meals a day and if the families don't know that they can do that or if they don't have the ability to go out and actually go get that food they're just kids who don't get to eat you know lunch or breakfast because they're missing out on school what do you solve that problem something that i wish i did yeah no and it, there's just uh, like i just the, the problem sort of as you go to different areas you just keep adding up and so oh yeah there's that oh yeah there's that because we just haven't done this before when you think about because we talked about earlier about you know we don't know when this we don't know there's so many unknowns so like let's say i don't know well we know school's not going to happen this year but let's say it doesn't let's say for whatever reason this carries on into the fall in some way, shape, or form. What, what are you, what are your worries? The things that you're kind of, I'm kind of worried how this is going to play out within your own context or, or, you know, teaching in general, what, what are you concerned about as, as this plays out? For our school, my concern is that we'll go back and then fall and winter hit, and then it's going to be another, another round of quarantine. I really personally think that that's probably going to happen. And that's so disruptive. And you know, you've got kids who say, I just want to see my friends. I just want to see my teachers. And for them to say, okay, yay, we can go back to school in the fall and then have to go back into self, you know, isolation or quarantine or social distancing, whatever you want to call it. That part I worry a lot about just upsetting their, that flow for education in general. Um, and this is again, where I feel super fortunate we don't have a school where the kids go into the next grade based on their age. We look at where they are, social, emotional, academic, who are their peers, and that's where they're grouped for their classes. So it's not like they are gonna get, you know, they have to be held back or anything because of what they might have missed um, from the previous school year ending because of COVID-19. For other schools, they're really struggling with what are we going to do? These kids didn't finish, you know, first grade or ninth grade. Do we move them along or what? Because they have to teach to a curriculum and state standards for age and grade level where, you know, we just teach to the kid, regardless of where they are, we, our goal is to move them forward. Forward progress is what we do. So I'm looking at that and saying, how do you think you're going to be able to take education back to where it was? before all of this and not change the system. You have to change the system. There are inequities everywhere. Um, I mean, we could spend hours just talking about all that, but 
which kids are going to be able to move forward? How about the kids who are, you know, graduating seniors? Have they have they finished everything that they were supposed to complete to, for graduation requirements? And if not, are you going to tell them they can't graduate because of something they couldn't control? Mm -hmm. That's that is hugely concerning to me. And I know I know most schools are in the seniors. Um, yeah, you're going to go ahead. You're going to graduate. But what about everybody else? And how are you going to resolve that in a system? that has always been built in this um, in a manner that actually amplifies or um, creates the inequities. Right. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, we, we, we want to know that these things won't perpetuate, but right. uh, these are the unknowns too. Uh, just shifting gears a little bit to something just a little bit more light. I'm always curious <laughs> around, people's new routines and, and uh, the, those moments where you go, okay, this is really weird. I don't normally do this. Like I'm, you know, whether it's teaching in pajamas or just, you know, strange, strange experiences. So what's a, what's just that moment that caught you saying, this is really weird as you've sort of done this remote, <laughs> remote teaching gig. Um, I, I, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, I get to wake up a little bit later because my commute was really long. So I'm actually um, getting to sleep in until six <laughs> in the morning, which is nice for me um, or later if I need to. Um, I think it's the mid afternoon naps, <laughs> which you know, I know we joked about nap chat for years, but um, I, I'm exhausted by lunchtime. So I eat a really quick lunch and I catch a nap. And if I don't get it then, it's I just as soon as we're done with school, I think I usually finish up somewhere between three thirty and four um, after meetings or talking with parents or whatever, and I'll head upstairs and think about making dinner, and I end up falling asleep, sound asleep on the couch for about an hour or so. So that's that's just not like me. Um, I like to nap on weekends, but not not during the day. Well, I mean, I think it has, to, it has to do with the fact that like, we're just not getting our energy from, you know, we get our energy from being with people and kids yeah. and so forth. And like, that's what kind of sustains us. And now it's this, and I was just reading an article the other day about like how Zoom chats are actually more draining because like you're, you're not, you have to pay more attention to visual cues. Like you, you have to kind of really uh, be focused or else you look right. like you're, you're not even in it. And it's more draining than if you and I were just sitting in the same room having this, having For this sure. conversation. So yeah, it, yeah definitely new aha moments of that but i'm glad you can sleep in a little bit that's that's cool um i do so i open the back of this window the blinds over here every once in a while because there are deer that are literally right there eating all my flowers and grass and so the kids are like is, is it deer cam yet today and right yeah give them a little bit of, that's good right share a little bit so last last question is uh what what good do you sort of hope like that you've seen that I said, well, I hope that was kind of nice that this has happened, whether it's, you know, whether it's afternoon naps or whatever else, do you hope sort of might sustain itself um, uh, coming out of this? Kelly Tinkley and I were talking about how we've been forced to slow down and um, that we can't just go, go, go and, you know, be consumers of everything that we're looking at. What's our, what are basic needs and can we make our, um, can we meet those basic needs? Um, so I think for, for me personally, it is that slowing down, I don't have to be busy every minute of the day, going and doing and, and running around that, um, you know, I, I can take time. This is, this sounds 
like so crazy, but I can take the time to actually bake something or make food rather than just go out and buy something that's convenient. Um, my husband, John and I are trying to still support all of our local businesses as much as we can. So we get takeout every once in a while, but um, stopping to think that our economy and the way that we have done things here in the States sometimes leads us to have this kind of artificial sense of hurry up and get busy and get doing these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm hardly ever home during the school year. I sleep here. That's about it. Weekends, you know, I'm, I try to stay around my house, but being forced to stay in my house, seeing a lot more of my neighbors, spent more time in our yard, um, working on, you know, just landscaping and things. I'm not great at that, but I'm trying. <laughs> so I, I think that um, maybe just being slower and more intentional to take in the things around us. We've been forced to do that. And that's, again, I keep saying that word privilege. It is definitely a privilege to be able to do that. And I'd, I'd like to continue that personally. Well, you're, you're not alone in that one. I think we all kind of, I think everybody sort of, you know, got a glimpse of that from some way. And I hope we do learn some lessons around like how we spend our money, what's important, mm -hmm. what isn't important. So uh, let's hope we do that. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. I appreciate Thank that. You. Thank Maybe you, you can have a nap. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> it's Friday. Take yourself, give, give yourself a nap. That sounds great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We'll see ya. Take care. Thanks so much.